When you're looking for reliable information, where do you go? Far too often in today's world, we're searching for truth and aching for support in ways and places that are just no good for us. We select a credible source based off of accolades and other material factors instead of seeking advice from people who have actually experienced what we're going through. Once upon a time, people were surrounded by resources, others who believed in them and validated their experiences. But today we are judged, we live in environments that make us feel unworthy, and we are constantly second-guessing ourselves and the way that we feel. The villages of support we once had and knew dissolved as we evolved, and we began to find our answers on devices from someone smarter or in places where we didn't feel so ashamed to tell our stories. Whether you're a mom trying to figure it all out for the first time, an entrepreneurial spirit who is ready to take the leap, or someone who is interested in chatting about the things that people normally don't want to talk about, the Credible Sources Podcast has something for you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Credible Sources Podcast. On today's episode, I'm actually repurposing an episode from my friend's podcast, The Rick Fike Show, that was recorded sometime last year. And although so much has changed since the original recording of this interview, I felt like there was just way too much value to not reshare this. So I hope that you enjoy and please make sure you go check out the Rick Fike Show anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Well, welcome again, everybody. It's the Rick Fike Show. And uh, as usual, I'm not alone. I have a guest with me here today. And um, my guest, I welcome her, is, is Becca Corvin. Hi, Becca. Hey, Rick. How you doing? I am so good. Good, I'm good. So happy to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. And um, so, you know, with the, the music we started out with, you know, I, I like to kind of know, I don't know, I'm just a fan of music, I guess. Me too. Yeah. And totally. I like to know what people like. So we had Greg Lincoln on the show before, and... Um, you know, Greg and I, we both really like like a really obscure group, Digital Underground, which is super obscure. And, um, you know, anytime I like the Humpty Dance is my like my favorite song ever. And anytime I play this, I, I'll never forget. We were at uh, Katrina and I were at a restaurant, like a bar or restaurant. It has the touch tunes jukebox. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite thing to do is just hijack the jukebox and just play music while we're eating dinner. And like somebody says something funny, like I'll just play a song that it has the words that they just said nobody oh my god did you play this uh, you know it's just so i played the humpty dance there's this guy at the bar and he's just you know he's halfway lit and he's just like man i haven't heard this since the 80s oh my gosh and it's just like people forget about this song that's my jam so i say all that to say you know in preparation for this i, I talked to you i said tell me tell me like what, what's your jam and yeah. you know one of the songs you had mentioned was this song by skillet awake and alive And you said it kind of encapsulates you right now. Is that right? Yeah. So I think whenever you asked me to choose a song, I was like, that's like asking me to pick between my kids. Because depending on the day and the the moment of the day, I have a very dynamic taste in music. Um, Skillet, though, right now, man, 
I am just totally being like mind blown by by them as a band, by them as a, a, the ability to like perform together. I got to see them a couple of times over the past year and just what they stand for. So this Awake and Alive is just like exactly what I'm feeling right now. Like I'm, I'm so awake. I'm so alive. I feel so um, like on point and really clear about everything that I should be doing and how I should be showing up. So I'm glad you picked that one. Yeah. So like, where does that, where does that come from? That feeling of being awake and alive? I mean, you know, it's, it's gotta come from somewhere, right? It does. Um, you asked the best questions. I love our conversations. <laughs> well, we're only three minutes and 47 seconds hey, in. So. Some time, people. By, by, buckle up. <laughs> if she's, I'll ask her again at the end, how are my questions? And if she still says they were good at the end. All right. I kind of, I don't know. We'll see. So, um, you know, the past couple of years have been really challenging for me. Of course, we've had the pandemic and all of that stuff, but I think we're all tired of talking about that. Of course, it played a role in my life, but I had a lot of personal things going on, just a lot of personal navigating of like, you know, what am I doing? Why am I here? And feeling this call that had been put on me from a very young age, you know, and I feel like God's been grooming me really severely (laughs) over the past, I'll say, three years, um, but very vigilantly, if that's a word. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, vigilant. Yeah, vigilantly. Like um, what I what I mean, I guess, is just very steadily over, I'll say, like the past 10 years. And what I feel like I'm coming to now is this place where it's all starting to make sense, you know? Wow. Just it's, I'm starting to see like, wow, you know, I had to go through this, this, and this so that I could have this opportunity. Or if I would have never met this person or did this thing or went to this place that could have seemed completely illogical at the time, you know, which I, a lot of things that I do are like pretty illogical. (laughs) I look back, I'm like, what the heck? Um, But I'm starting to see now like, wow, it wasn't all for nothing. It wasn't um, an accident, you know, that's for sure. And now it's kind of like, I'm at this place where, hey, you know, all of these things, good and bad, are, are re- I am a result of all of those things. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, you and I've known you for, I mean, we've known each other a few years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that, that your, your faith is, uh, is an important part of, of that journey. And, you know, it's, it's even in the time I've known you, the short time I've known you, I mean, I what, three, four years, something like that. Yeah, around there. Um, you know, I've seen that, um, that evolve your faith and, and you as a, as a person even mm-hmm. evolve. And it, it probably sounds, I'm probably making somebody somewhere cringe by talking about faith and using the word evolve. Right. But, but I think it, <laughs> I think our faith does, I think it evolves over time. That's something we, we have some good conversations, Mm -hmm. you know, about just, um, that journey and that faith. And it's so neat to see you talk about that. And, you know, like I, I've, I know Skillet and I enjoy Skillet and I, I I think they're a great band Mm -hmm. and it was neat because, you know, I don't know what I was expecting when I asked you about a song Yeah. and when you said Skillet, I'm like, that's, that's my stuff there because like, you know, I, I, I go, I go way back with my, with my faith. And I was very like, 
in that culture of uh, the Christian music and, and all that stuff. And so I, I know Skillet. I know, you know, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's all these hard rock Christian bands that people yeah. don't even realize exist, yeah. you know. And uh, it's it's so much fun. And they're just, they're true, they're a true inspiration. And they're one of the ones that are, they're one of the good ones, you yeah. know. And um, yeah, it's just, it's really neat to see, you know, where that's, where that's taken you. Well, and I'll tell you this too. The way that I found out about Skillet was actually through my six-year-old son who was probably four and, you know, he was watching a YouTube video Mm -hmm. and he's saying how much he loves this song. And it's this, this thing, they're drawing a werewolf or something. I don't know. And I literally use that app on your phone to like pick up the song. You know, I'm not sure what it's called, but it'll identify the song for you. Shazam. Shazam. Mm -hmm. Shazam. Yep. And it's like skillet monster is mm-hmm. the song. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, this is a kid. Like apple doesn't fall far, far from the tree. Like I grew up with like rock and, and then got into punk and emo and all that stuff. And yeah. I used to book bands back in the day. Oh my God. Really? Yeah, Are you yeah. serious? We used to have um, like, we used to have local shows. Well, not local necessarily to like Connellsville, but local to the Pittsburgh area. So yeah. a friend of mine in high school, he and I started doing this. And we had a lot of friends who were um, musicians and extremely talented with nowhere to play. And I just took it upon myself to start calling these venues. So we would line up these shows. And I'm telling you what, if I could quit everything that I'm doing right now and go back to that, I would do it. Really? I love it. It encompasses Everything that, I mean, the event planning, the music, the talent, the putting young people in front of an audience that's, you know, that they otherwise maybe wouldn't get to affect. Um, Yeah, so we can, we can come back to that. But I hear this song Monster and I'm just thinking, my son's like loving the, the drums and the guitar and the screaming and all this stuff. Then I look in and I get to know Skillet because I had never known Skillet before. And I just thought like, wow, it's amazing how God works because him finding that song was super pivotal for me. You know, looking back with a little bit of perspective because I started listening to that and I'm a firm believer that what you listen to is it's, it's fuel, you know, for your, for your mind. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I, we talk about Kanye and, um, you know, some of these other artists that have these huge audiences now that are making really deliberate moves, you know, to start speaking differently. And um, I believe that that's what happened with me and Skillet. You know, I started listening to it. I was listening all the time because my son wanted it. We learned Monster. We learned Hero. We learned all these other ones. Then uh, I get tickets to, uh, to take him to go to go see Skillet. I get these VIP tickets. We go. I miss the VIP. That's all meet, right. Meet and greet. It happens. So, well, then I called him and I said, hey, can I apply these tickets to another show? So then I load my daughter up, who's four, oh. and my son, who's six. We go to Cleveland. Wow. And uh, front row, man. And they they rocked it. I mean, that band's been performing together for 25 years. Oh, yeah. So in the pocket, so good, so inspiring. And their faith is just incredible that during their, um, you know, pre-show thing, just hearing them talk. And I'm just like, wow, you know, to be here in front of all of these people and to, uh, you know, I don't know what it's like behind the scenes, right? But um, I like to believe that they're very much behind what 
they stand for. And it really lights a fire in, in me, you know, this awaken alive people listening, go listen to that full song yeah, and tell me you're not moved. You know, it's insane. That's not an easy lifestyle either to be no. a musician and be on the road like that. Um, it's, it's not easy on anybody and not just that it's difficult to, to travel and do all that stuff, but it's, it's difficult to maintain a level of integrity Yeah, in that. Um, you know, uh, we talked about Kanye and on his newest album, there's a song called believe what I say. And there's a line in there that says, don't let the lifestyle drag you down. And it's so true because that lifestyle, I mean, any lifestyle really <clears throat> can pull you away from your faith or, you know, um, or, or just doing the right thing. And it's so neat to see somebody who has not only a great message, mm -hmm. a great sound, but then longevity too. Mm -hmm. And they're touching people's lives mm -hmm. still. Maybe probably more than they were 25 yeah. years ago when they started. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, like their lifestyle's different, but this is what I challenge people with all the time is like, we make ourselves so special that we think, you know, nobody can understand what I'm going through. Nobody could ever understand this part of me, or I don't have anybody to talk to, or like, I'm so angry, leave me alone because I have these problems and you don't. And it's like, we can all make excuses and we can all separate ourselves, you know, into this category where we're like, well, it's okay for us to act this way, or it's okay for us to be out of line or resentful or treat people poorly or do those drugs or, you know, use these things to, as a coping mechanism or whatever. Um, but, you know, I, just as humans, I feel like we all face those same challenges just in different ways. And our faith is constantly being tested and our character, you know, if someone's getting triggered by the word faith and, you know, things like that, it's like your integrity and your character is being tested on the daily by this world we live in. What is that worth to you? You know, like, what is that worth to you to sit there and jeopardize where you're at. And I feel like this awaken alive for me is like, I've worked so incredibly hard solidly over the past two years with acceptance and with my faith and just trusting that like, it would be really hard for me to, for, to put something ahead of that, to jeopardize that. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad you said too, about certain words. I think you might've said you know, they might trigger certain feelings yeah. in people yeah. because I, I wholeheartedly believe that, that when you start saying, well, your faith mm -hmm. and, and words like that, that those, sometimes those words can tick a, a traumatic response yeah. or traumatic emotion for somebody. Um, you know, I know I've found myself in a place where there's certain words or behaviors that I see because I spent so much time in a church. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I was there and, and I learned so much from it, but at the same time, there were a lot of things there that, that didn't add to me. Right. Um, and so when I see some of those things, you know, you can, you can get triggered. And I'm so glad you said that because, um, you know, one of the things that, that I so appreciate about you is that your faith, it, it doesn't necessarily look like a, a cookie cutter type faith. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you're an entrepreneur yeah. and you've done so much. And like one of those things is I'm hearing you talk and share an inspiring message here is the village is one yeah. of those things where you share yeah. your experience and your, again, we can call it experience or we can call it your faith. I think they're right. one and the same. You know what I mean? Those words right now are interchangeable. Yeah. That's your experience that you're sharing. And through that experience, you've, you found faith and uh, you found so much more, 
you know, than, than what a, a simple cookie cutter quote unquote faith is. Yeah. And you've helped a lot of people and, and, and had a lot of impact. So, um, tell, uh, so the, I, I use the term the village yeah. and you know, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you're probably, you probably know who Becca is, but you might not. Um, you know, I'm sure a, a lot of your friends and, and family are hearing this, but for those that don't know you and maybe don't know about the village or maybe they do know you and don't know about the village. Yeah. Tell me a little, like, talk about the village a little bit, because it's special. It's totally special, and I think that it's just, even though we're in, I think, like, our fourth year of meeting regularly, I still believe that it's just, like, this is just the beginning of the village. Um, So whenever I had my son, who's about to be seven, we'll kind of give you the the milestones, I guess, of what the village, how it evolved, and uh, as a new mother... I felt extremely alone. I felt very bored a lot of the times, you know, with as far as not having any other adult interaction and things like that, and just really misunderstood. Looking back now, and with all of the education that I've had and research that I've done, I know for sure I had severe postpartum anxiety and depression. It was something that uh, manifested in me, I think, a little differently than what we would typically think it would look like. And, you know, couple that with just kind of like an identity crisis. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that mothers, especially in today's world, go through is just like, okay, how can I be mom and still me? And in this world that we live in now, so many women try to be who they were before they were a mother. And not that we shouldn't take parts of that with us, but I really believe that our babies need who we are on the other side of the birth. And that we're like, the, the woman before my children would be so, like, just not even be able to believe that I am who I am now. You know, and that took me a long time to realize because for so long, all I wanted was to be like 20-year-old Becca again and have all of that stuff back. The glory days, right? Yeah. Yeah, we joke, you know, (laughs) I talk about my fiance, Katrina, a lot Mm -hmm. on the show. And, you know, she always says, my clubbing days Yeah, is what she says, you know, because that was about, you know, it would have been the age, you know. Her and I, we weren't high school sweethearts. Yeah. We met in high school and we were friends in high school. Sure. Um, but it was years and years down the road, uh, 20 years to be exact down the That's road crazy. that we came back together and, you know, I had two daughters, she has a daughter and, um, you know, we just, you know, we, we found each other, but I, I mentioned all that to say, you know, I don't, there's a, a huge gap in time right. that I don't know her. Right. And, you know, and she'll every now and then, or she'll put a pair of jeans on what's up with those jeans? Yeah. She's like, those are my, those are from my clubbing days. Yeah. And like, yeah, I can tell. I don't, I barely want you to leave the house in those things. I mean, so it's, it's just, it's funny because we do, yeah. we have that whole, yeah. like, for whatever reason that that's our ego or whatever it is that makes, you know, I want to, I want to, I, it's almost like you have all this life experience now right? and you want to go back and redo it. Sure. But you think you can do it better. Yeah. But when the truth is that's, that's just not who you are anymore. I truly think when you become a parent or even more specifically a mother because of the physical that literally happens in your body when you give birth. Right. You know, I think there's something that just you're, you're now is something's changed 
and and you're not who you were. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's still parts of that person that's there. Yeah. But you are you're not that you're not that person anymore. No. And uh it's 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 pretty wild. It's really wild. And I mean, you can like trip out if you spend too much time really thinking about it, but I'm just I'm at this place now where I I really do believe we just need to give people a little more time, you know, to transition into parenthood, you know, being one big, huge life change. Um, but the village is something that's been able to help with what I'm, what I've realized now is all kinds of different transitions. Wow. It's, 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 I want to hear what you have to say, but there's like so much like that's going through my mind as you're talking, Yeah, like giving people time. Yeah. What a foreign concept that's become in our culture. Right. And it's like, yeah, one day you just, now you're a mom. Right. You know what I mean? Now there's this child that's right. outside of your body right. that you can hold and you're a mom now, you know, and or a, and a you're dad. you're not supposed to skip a beat elsewhere. There's no, no grace. There's no else, transition yeah, period. Nothing else can, can stop. We give know? a job two weeks notice. Right. You know, or longer. But when it comes to being a parent, it's just like, nope, mm-hmm. now you're a parent. And yeah. it's, it's like, wow. And that's, that is without a doubt, like being a dad, most important job. Right. I'll ever have right. in my life. Right. Hands down. Um, and so, and same with being a mom. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, giving the, people time. What a concept. Yeah. Yeah. The, the struggle's real though. So, you know, here's me, let's say six months postpartum. And I decide that I'm going to start this Facebook group. At the time, I think I called it like literally Southwest PA mommy group or something like that. And I start getting these women together. Some are friends, family, some are women that I've never met. And we're just getting our kids together to play. And uh, I realized that we were getting some fellowship and networking and our conversations are getting deeper and bigger. And I'm just noticing this sense of longing for something more, you know, with all of these women, we would, we would sit and we would talk, but we all wanted something more than, than where we were. And, um, then I noticed that at at one point we, it started getting heavy, meaning, you know, there was a lot of just kind of, I don't know, it was just turning into a session where we would come and complain. And that's definitely not what I wanted. I wanted us to get together and I wanted us to feel good when we left. I wanted our kids to, you know, enjoy each other and have fun together. I wanted us to respect each other. And I was just leaving feeling exhausted, um, so we, we ceased having meetings like that, but essentially over the years, it turned into a meeting where we would just come and kind of talk. So at one point, especially because many of my friends were having um, trouble with conception and maybe suffering losses and things like that, we decided that no children would be necessarily welcome at the village anymore we started doing some other things where we could bring our kids and it really turned into this group support circle and over the years we've never had the same circle twice we have had I think our largest group meeting was about 28 people Um, and I mean the stories that I've heard from these people and the transformations that I've witnessed I mean we we're talking anywhere from you know, transitioning into parenthood to recovery, to leaving abusive relationships, to 
starting businesses, leaving jobs, starting the, the joke on the street is that when you meet me, <laughs> which this is something that kind of happened with you, <laughs> but whenever you meet me that apparently like you quit your job, that like, that's what the girls say is like, when you meet Becca, you're going to end up quitting your job at some point, or you're going to like start a new business or a new venture. I don't take any kind of credit for that, but that's, I guess, a disclosure that we have to say before you come to a village meeting now. Um, but we just started redoing the village meetings again, live, you know, COVID kind of put a, you know, uh, had an influence on that. We started doing things virtually, but essentially it's just been this, this group of people supporting people, giving each other time to speak. I really encourage and try to teach and instill active listening, compassion, understanding. It's not a place where you come and necessarily talk. It's a place that you come to listen and hold space for people. And then my hope is that you can take that out into your life and practice that daily, you know, with other people. Um, so many times we're getting interrupted and our, our experiences aren't validated. And it's like in this circle of strangers, you can say whatever you want and we're not going to judge you. You know, it's hard to talk about, I always say this jokingly, but lovingly, it's hard to talk about your mother-in-law to your mother-in-law. Right. You know, you come to the circle. We don't know who you're related to. We don't know where you work. We don't know any of that. So you can say whatever you want. It's your story, you know. But at the end of the day, your experience is real. And what you're feeling and how you're feeling it is real. And you need some kind of support through that. And sometimes just, like, people just want to be heard. That's it. Like, I'm, like, you know, guilty of that. Yep. Because I guess if you want to call it guilty, but, like, I just want to be heard. Like, I'm probably, I know I'm not going to get my way, mm -hmm. you know, in certain situations, but I at least want to just explain my side of it. Yeah. I mean, it just, it makes like all the difference in the world. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really cool that you do that. And, and it's, it started as a mommy group on Facebook, which is just, because it's not just for women, right? No. And, um, you know, early on I would have people reach out to me like, Hey, I'm not a mom. I don't have kids, but I'm hearing about what's going on. You know, can I come to this? Or, um, you know, my other primary career, I guess, is in an industry that's dominated with men. And I would have some of those guys like, hey, what are you doing over there? Like, can you help me with this? Or is there somewhere that I can attend or some way that I can contribute? You know, so it's for everybody. Like the village is, we, we say this a lot, the village is a vibe, not a place. You know, we've moved around and had our meetings in a dozen different locations over the past four years. Um, and it's a place where I really want to witness people come in and fill their potential so that they can contribute to the community. Like I just think of like, like a village, literally, you know, you, you don't have a bunch of Beccas running around. You don't have a bunch of Ricks running around. You have all of these different unique people being lifted up in exactly who they were meant to be, not judged and contributing to that community, to that village, the way that, you know, I believe God intended us to do. And we live in a world now that just tells us like, okay, you're a, you're a male in between 20 and 40. You have to be doing this, 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 and this, or else you're like wasting your existence. And that's just not it. You know, I don't like there to be these like cookie cutter duplicates. I love seeing people be extremely unique and just flourish in their authenticity. 
Now, do you have people that still come to the meetings that are like OGs that were there yeah. from the beginning? Yes, yeah? and we call them OGs too. Do you really? We sure do. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we nice. sure do. The nice. village OGs. Um, and it's really cool to witness their to witness their growth. And we sit, we actually just had a meeting before the new year, and I was just sitting and challenged us all to like reflect on the first time they ever attended a village meeting. And for some of them, they were at the very first one. Um, and just how much has changed in their life and in my life, you know, and how honored I am to be able to like walk alongside this. And I have such a cool perspective because I can, I get to see all of it. Um, and just like how humbling is that, that somebody feels safe enough, you know, that's our, my biggest thing is I want people to feel safe sharing because we also live in a world where you say something to somebody and then it gets repeated, you know, the second you walk away. And I can say with confidence that, um, that that does not happen in our group. So this thing that was a, an idea that turned into a mom Facebook group mm-hmm. is now has a life of its own, has an identity of its own. And, you she know, does. you're like four years in and it's just, it really says a lot to like, and you may want to speak to this a little bit, but when you get an idea on, on following through on just like, there's really nothing you can't do. Yeah. If you, I mean, it's so cliche, you can do whatever you put your mind to, but it's actually true. It is so true. And I was actually just having this conversation this morning with somebody that, you know, I believe that we have desires placed on our heart for a reason, that, that they're gifts given to us. You know, like not everybody has the desire put on their heart to start a podcast, you know, but the people who do should. And I say all the time, like, I'll talk to, I'll talk about myself as though I'm outside of myself. I'm like, Becca doesn't actually want to do this right now. This is something that I'm being like called to do. And, and trust me when I say that, because the village is like, I'm not in it for the money. You know, all of our meetings are virtually free. You know, we, we have sliding scales for everything. The, my most important goal is to serve people. And I know that, that that's what that is, you know, it's a, it's a calling for, for me to do that. And it's rewarded me like <laughs> incredibly. Um, it, it's just really remarkable. So yeah, I, I try to coach people, you know, along these lines of like, Hey, if you're given this gift and given this idea, what's like the first one or two steps that you can take to get that ball rolling just to see, like, just to get your feet wet, because, if you take those one or two steps and like the, the next 10 steps just like open wide up, like they're just like wide open, like, Hey, come on in. I'm like, how can you say no to that? You know, how can, how can you deny that that's something that you were supposed to do? Just like the village. We, I never intended for it to be what it's grown into. Um, but I just kept going like one step at a time and here we are. Yeah. It's like when it, when it, when the momentum builds Mm -hmm. and it takes actually more effort to stop it, Right. Then it does to continue it. Right. It's like, how can you right. turn away from that? But you never get to that point unless you take that idea try. and just mm-hmm. step out, step out and, and do yeah. it. And to that point, um, the large majority of people who have attended village meetings regularly, um, I've also had, you know, women's retreats and work with people one-on-one. There are so many local small women-owned businesses now just as a result of us meeting and supporting each other 
I mean, they've either left, literally left their jobs and started doing the same thing as consultants or whatever, or they've taken these ideas, you know, that we're talking about and they've, you know, sometimes these ideas are shared in the village first and then within six months it's in fruition, you know, and it's just like crazy, yeah. crazy to see that. And, and you're an example of that, right? I mean, so I yes. mentioned earlier, you're an yeah. entrepreneur yeah. and so you've got a few businesses right? Yeah. What am I doing? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we can figure it out. We've got some time. We can figure say, where are we at on time? Yeah, we can, we can figure this um, out, I think. So, um, but yeah, I mean, talk a little bit about that. I mean, because you've yeah. taken many ideas yeah. and you've turned them into, to pretty successful. Yeah, it's like my favorite thing to do. Okay. My, fav- right. my favorite thing to do is to take an idea and make it happen. Where I struggle is the maintenance you know, on the other side of it. But I think that I've gotten that strategy down, um, especially as I get older and as I have put my family first, you know, I have to ask for help. You know, that's like a a really big hurdle for me to get over was to ask for help. But to just kind of give a highlight, I guess, of what we've got going on is um, my friend Nicole Craig and I own Colby's. It's a juice and smoothie shop on the west side in Connellsville. We opened shortly after COVID, um, June 2020. And the real intent behind Colby's, and a lot of people don't know this, my intent anyway, I can't specifically speak for Nicole, but we wanted to bring intentionally prepared healthy food to Connellsville. Simultaneously, I wanted our youth to have a safe fun place to come hang out like after school you know just come and sit and get a smoothie a sandwich maybe do some homework whatever and I really hope that this summer we can take root a little more and and express that and then the other thing is I want to be able to be a first job for a lot of our youth in the community and I really attribute who I am to one of my very first jobs. You know, whenever I started working when I was 15, I had a pretty tough boss and I worked five in the morning until three in the afternoon. But I'm going to tell you what, as a teenager and as a younger, you know, woman, if I wanted to go and get tickets to go see Panic at the Disco in Pittsburgh, guess who was going? Me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. like, guess who was buying herself an iPod to listen to all that music? Mm-hmm. I was, you know, thankfully, I had my parents supporting me in the background, right? You know, and I had the freedom to do that. But I chose to go to work and I chose to work a lot. And um, I enjoyed having those really strict boundaries for work and, and those disciplines. So I, and people in the community probably know know how I feel about this because I'm so vocal about it, but I do believe in our young people and whether you believe in them or not, they're going to be older at some point and they're going to be in the workforce at some point. So I'm doing my best to meet them where they are and to really provide them with a good, like with a good first job. You know, I I understand they're not going to maybe be with us forever, but I would love to have a culture at Colby's where we have multiple Colby's and, you know, maybe one day we take them nationwide and it's just dripping through the culture that, you know, everyone's equal and we have these expectations and it doesn't matter to me that we're on the West side in Connellsville, you know, in this small town, I want to run it with a culture of, you know, a forward thinking company because that's who I am. 
you know, and, and we can tell the difference because last year when everyone was scratching, you know, scraping around for employees, I had a laundry list, literally a wait list of employees that we weren't open enough to, to keep them on. Uh, and I, I felt bad. I wish I could have like tripled down, you know, but that wouldn't have been a very good financial decision. Right. Um, so we have Colby's and then I also have what's recently become Lady Beck Inc. Before we move off of Colby's, yeah. I want to ask you, cause you were talking a lot about employing young people. Mm-hmm. And um, so I know some people may hear this and may think well, that's a struggle. I mean, that's, Young people are irresponsible. Young people are this. Young people are that. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, it doesn't sound like that's your experience in working with these young people. Is there a, is there a, is there a, a, a the word secret wants to come to mind. It's not a secret, I don't think, on how to work with young people. I think, I think I have an idea, but I want to hear what you have to say about like, just your experience with working with young people and yeah how what you've experienced may actually be contrary to what popular opinion might be. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I, I want to vocalize it the, the right way, you know, and use the, the right words so I can really get my point across. But I mean, I think it's as simple as just expecting, expecting more um, and just being willing to, to do whatever it is that they need. I think that right now our younger people are lacking mentors. And from what I've seen, if there's any kind of irrational behavior or, you know, everyone wants to say that, that, that young people are entitled and all of this stuff, I really think that that's just a way of expressing, hey, I need some attention. I don't really maybe know how to direct my energy and if we as adults can learn to identify those behaviors and really just point them in a particular direction, you know, sometimes they just want to talk, you know, and I feel like we're in an economy right now where we're either, there are like two buckets of employers, in my opinion, you're either so desperate that you're going to hire anyone and let them get away with anything, or you're so strict that you're going to expect so much that it's unrealistic. And then these students, these young people just end up quitting or getting burnt out or, you know, whatever. And either way, it's, it's no good. You know, you think of it as a parent. I like to equate like work relatedness to parenting. And it's just like, you know, if you just let your kid get away with everything, how's that going to work out for you? On the flip side, if you're just going to give them rules upon rules upon rules. How's that going to work? So it's got to be this collaborative approach. And I'm, I feel like I'm a master collaborator in like everything that I do because I, to a fault, am understanding and compassionate and I can see all of the sides and I'm just, I'm very, you know, I don't want to be like hashtag blessed, you know, whatever, but I, I do feel very gifted in that ability to, to pull back, to zoom out and see, wow, you know, this, this 16-year-old is actually dealing with way more than I have ever had to deal with in my entire life, you know, and that's where the compassion sets in because a lot of us don't, we just think 16-year-old kid and we have this idea of them. Being a 16-year-old today 
It's a lot different than it used to be. And a lot of these kids are living very, very, very adult lives, and they're being forced to choose between, you know, a minimum wage job with a boss who treats them like you do, which could be good or could be bad, and going to school or moving out or, you know, all of these things. And it's just been really eye-opening to witness how, how they live. So, you know, while I have my expectations as an employer, I'm also a human. And if they're having a bad day, man, I know what that's like. And I wish that when I'm having a bad day, my employer can understand that. So I just kind of look at like, what kind of cycle are we breaking? What kind of cycle are we beginning? And how can we just do better to, instead of complaining about it, how can we do better to just fix it? And if that requires you to make a change, then maybe you should look at what you can change instead of just standing there like all of these employees are awful. Well, you know, what's the saying? Like your problems go where, where you do or what, like everywhere you are, your problems are there too. <laughs> and I'm just like, right. well, where's the common denominator? Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. You. Like what, what do we have to do? Like, mm-hmm. and, and take accountability. You know, absolutely. So. No, that's good. I, I just wanted to hear you share a little bit about that because that, I think it's really important because, um, you know, I found too, like with young people, like when you give them a sense of, um, responsibility, responsibility, purpose. ownership, yep. um, a, I try to do it with my kids, you know, like even though ultimately, yeah, I'm in charge of this mm-hmm. ship, um, yeah. you know, at the same time, you do have a say, right. and what you have to say is important, right? And what you have to say may influence the direction the ship goes, right? It's not just my way or the highway. Now, certain things are non-negotiable, sure. Like you know, the dangerous things, you right. know, non-negotiables, right. Right? <laughs> right? But there's other things I'll negotiate. You know, right. I, I'd like to hear you. I'd like to hear why you want to do that. Why you think that's a good idea? Why you think that's not a good idea? Exactly. And, um, you know, one thing I always wanted to do too is, you know, like I've told Katrina, I I said, I want to have a gigantic house Mm -hmm. because I want these girls, we have three daughters and I want these girls to know that no matter what, no matter what, it doesn't matter if they made a hundred mistakes, a million mistakes or no mistakes, that there's always a place for them Mm -hmm. under our roof because I don't want that pressure of, well, you know, I need to make a decision based off of right. something other than just purely making the decision. I don't want they have them to have a decision be influenced because, well, I have to do this because I don't have a place to live. Right. I have to do this because I don't have, you know, someone who understands. Right. No. No, you've always got someone who understands. You've always got a place to be. Mm-hmm. So that's like a goal for me as a dad is just, you know, to make my my daughters understand that there's always, always, always some uh, you know room to talk, mm-hmm. room to approach me, and room for us all to grow together. You know, yeah. Like some people, they're gonna think I'm crazy, but like if I do something wrong, I apologize to my kids. You know what I mean? Like I do. Like I, I, you know, there's many times where I'm like, yeah, I did the wrong thing here, and I'm so sorry mm-hmm. that I did that. And you know, <clears throat> I hope you'll forgive me. And, and of course they do like right away instantly. Right. But it's like, I'm, you know, as a parent or an employer, you're not above, you know, that reproach, you know, you're not, you know, that, that's, that's, that's just being a human being. And I, so I guess my point is 
treating these kids not like second-class citizens or these children like second-class citizens. Exactly. But treating them, again, not as equals, Mm -hmm. but in a way, you Mm -hmm. can treat them as equals, but there's definitely a a boundary to that, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. There there is, and what I've been finding, because I've spent a lot of time, you know, doing what I'll call like boots-on-the-ground research and just observation is it's healthy to have a a boundary professionally, you you need that, you know, if you're the manager and you're the employee, there has to be. Otherwise, the structure is just, it's just, you know, void. Um, The problem is when we get our, our personal character, you know, involved, because what happens when your boss is 20 years younger than you? Like, it's not an age thing. It's almost always people not having these professional boundaries or, the ability to see the bigger picture for the company. And, you know, to your point about your daughters, I'm really fascinated with Abraham Maslow. And many of us know from school, the hierarchy of needs, which has been studied, you know, by just about everybody. And a lot of people are kind of like throwing it out now. But I like to believe that even on a very watered down level, without getting into all the you know, psychology behind it, what you're essentially saying is that you're providing your family with this ability to always have those fundamental needs fulfilled so that when those are fulfilled, you can start, quote unquote, climbing up that hierarchy and and reaching self-actualization a lot sooner, which then means you can pour back into your community. And what's so unfortunate, especially in our county, is that so many of these young people don't even have those basic needs fulfilled. So how in the world, you know, are we going to set them up for success when they don't know where they're going to live after graduation, you know, or they don't know what they're having for dinner tonight. And that really, really changes things for you or what kind of state, you know, their parents or caretakers are in and what kind of stress they're dealing with. So there's a, there's also a teacher on TikTok who's coming to mind, and I don't know his name, I wish I could like shout him out. But he's this like rebel teacher. And he does these little TikTok videos about like all the things he does as a teacher that he basically gets um, confronted on, you know, similar to you saying that you apologize to your children. So he says, like, when I remember seeing one that said when his student is sleeping in class, what does he do? He lets them sleep. Because they obviously, you know, there's a difference between a child like a person needing to sleep and being like disruptive and sleeping because they're being disrespectful. When he took this person aside and realized that he was up all night caring for his siblings because his parents were addicts, you know, that really changes your perspective. So, I mean, we could go on for days about this, but I just pull it back to even the same thing that like my through line lately is compassion. And it's like, hey, there's no black and white blanket statement that's going to fix this world. But day to day, what can you do to be more compassionate, whether it's as a person, as a, you know, a spouse, as an employee, as an employer, like, what are you doing to actively make a difference to be better at myself included, you know, and taking that accountability to just be like, hey, I messed up, like, what can I do? Or, or, hey, like going out of your way to, to make somebody's day a little, a little brighter. I love it. Yeah. 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 That's really good. That's really solid. Um, yeah. Appreciate you sharing all that. Yeah. Um, so 
I interrupted you. You were on the way to talk about um, the next business that you have. Yeah. So, so Lady Beck is something that kind of all encompasses the village and my retreats, which are solely right now dedicated to women. I've been doing those for the past five years, which is basically just like a day long getaway where we teach on different topics and just kind of help these people relax and find new ways of, of coping. You know, this, the world's tough. (laughs) The world's tough. And we try to normalize struggle and normalize emotions and uh, like mental health awareness and things like that. And really just balancing life. So those are the, those are the retreats. More recently, I've gotten into this like brand management, which you've been a, a big part of helping me kind of clarify, but what some of my women through the village have given me feedback on is that through the years I've helped them from a business standpoint and by them determining who they are as a person and maybe what their gifts are and their purpose here, that it's helping them clarify their business goals. And then also relaying that into marketing, which is actually what my degree's in. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I have a business management marketing degree from Penn State, which I've never really, you know, had to lean on or tell too many people about, but it's making a whole lot of sense now. So it's also just interesting how that works. But um, lately I've been really getting sought after, you know, from people like, hey, I see what you're doing with this person or with this website, or I really enjoy the way that you handle your social media or, um, you know, just just the way that things are packaged. And I think that I'm, again, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I just love taking these ideas that people have and, and bringing them to a place where they're, able to be executed and perceived, you know, by your intended audience. So a lot of these women have apparently been leaning on me for that. And just through like casual coffee dates and, you know, like straggling conversations after a village meeting or whatever, they've um, found some inspiration and just some tips and things like that. So, so I've been doing that. Nice. That's really cool. So, so that's, that's Lady Beck. Mm-hmm. And so is there, is there others or, or is there, is that everything that you got, you have your hands so, on? So, I mean, those are the, those are the main two, you know, uh, businesses that I'm sole, uh, you know, I'm sole owner of, of mm-hmm. Lady Beck. And then some other women helped me facilitate the village and stuff like that. Nicole and I own Colby's. And then for the past 10 years, I've been in oil and gas in occupational safety and health. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the whole other piece of me that's been, you would all say my bread and butter, you know, as I've been able to carve out time to do these other things. But still, I believe that my purpose this year, you know, going into 2022 is to bring more compassion to the workplace. And as someone who's been in safety in one of the highest risk, literally highest risk industries, um, and witnessing its evolution over the past 10 years, I think that we're ready for this. And, you know, these companies are tapped out with their budgets and their staff and all of this stuff. And they're doing all the quote unquote right things. And people are still getting hurt. People are still getting, you know, hurt to the point that they're on short-term, long-term disability. And I'm just sitting here wondering, 
why. And what I really believe is that we're not looking at our people as humans. We're looking at them as tools that are able to be like calibrated, replaced, thrown out of service, you know, whatever you need to do. If you think about like a, even something as simple as like a drill or a saw or a forklift and you know, that forklift isn't going through a divorce. (laughs) You know, that forklift didn't just have a, a new baby. That forklift didn't just get a terrible call on the way into work. And one of my biggest goals this year is to develop the mind body safety initiative which is hopefully going to be something that helps to shift the way that we look at safety, you know, and help people realize that you, you have this mind and body that work together and we can't just systemically remove things from the workplace and guarantee that people aren't going to get hurt. Yeah. That was going to be my follow-up question when it came to the safety side of things and oil and gas is, did you find, or have you found over the years, because you said you've been doing that 10 years, mm-hmm. have you found those you've developed these other giftings or whatnot that you're using, like the village and, and the retreats and, and things like that in your faith we talked about? Yeah. Do you find those things help with Absolutely. your bread and butter? Absolutely. There's literally no way that I could have gotten to this point had I not experienced everything with it. It's mind-blowing if I sit and think about it. I'm like, you cannot make this up. And and this is where like I can't even take credit for it because these are all just downloads is what I call them. You know, it's just like things that have been given to me that I really am honored, you know, to receive and I protect them. You know, I'm just like, this is something that is way bigger than me. And I feel like I've been entrusted with them to like deliver these messages and deliver these things to the people who I know need them. But it's just, it's really crazy that I'm this like messenger is what I feel like. You know, I feel like I'm this messenger for the village. I'm this conduit, you know, to help this, this information flow. And for whatever reason, um, I really take a lot of, I I don't know if pride's the right word because I, I just, I don't feel like that's it, but I take a lot of ownership and responsibility over making sure that it's done with integrity, you know, and that none of this stuff is ever something that I sell out over. I have a team of women around me that I have these conversations with regularly. I'm like, you know, if something ever happens that's that could be kind of big for us, you know, I don't want to lose sight of what this is intended to be. So, like, please help to sustain that, you know, integrity that's around these, the sacredness, you know, of where we're going with it, because at any moment that could just be taken away. And just like my faith, you know, the, the story about the past few years, it's like, I don't, there is too much invested in this and it affects too many people to be jeopardized, you know, like no dollar or no amount of influence or power or, you know, whatever you want to say is worth, um, you know, when we're talking safety, a human life, because I mean, people die at work, (laughs) like 15 people a day die at work every single day in the United States alone. It's not okay. And, um, the amount of people that I've witnessed who were at a place that they wanted to take their life walking into a village meeting, you know, that we've had to refer out to professionals and work with this network of providers. I mean, 
it's literally, we have the ability to save lives and change lives. And I don't want to lose sight of the amount of responsibility that comes along with that, you know, and make it just, it's not just a, a, a day spa retreat. You know, we're not that that's not amazing because <laughs> that sounds really good right now. You're doing work, right? This is work. Yeah. This is, this is, this is work. I believe this is God's work. You know, this is not me. And, um, and it's, it can be scary sometimes to think about the, the weight of it all, but it's really cool. You know, it's really cool and it's really fun and it feels right. It's so cool too to see people heal each other. Yes. And help each other through things. Yes. Um, yeah, I just think that's like the coolest thing because there is so much weight to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like when you're doing those types of things, and if you've never experienced, you know, I, probably most people who are listening to this have helped somebody. Right. And man, what a good feeling that is when you yeah. help somebody, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, you know, as, as you're talking, I'm thinking, and, you know, this, hopefully this question will, won't catch you off guard. Okay. But what, what drives you, like, so when you wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, before your feet hit the floor, you know, what, because we all have that struggle. We all have a decision to make every day, you know, are we going to keep doing this or, you know, are we going to change? So what, what drives you to keep doing what you're doing and to keep, um, just keep going with, and, and not just be like, ah, oh, you know what? Like, I just can't take all these women and their problems anymore at yeah. the village. You know what I mean? Or, you yeah. know, like, I just can't like, you know, what, what drives you? What keeps you going? Um, I would say when I really, when I really sit and think about it, I want, well, well, first it's, I mean, it's God's will. Like, I mean, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what are we doing today? You know, and I have this little conversation. I'm like, all right, we're going to, read a little, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Inevitably I end up somewhere, but let me jump in real quick. So, so when you have that conversation, so someone may be hearing that and think, well, how do you get to that point to where you can talk to God like that? Oh, wow. That might be for a part two. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That might be for a part two, but it's not as complex as it sounds. Yeah. It's really not. It's just, um, I think that, okay, here's a, I'll tell this little story. Okay. So here's this little story that I tell a lot of the times to just kind of depict getting myself out of my own way. Now, you know, you hear people say they give their life to God and surrender. You know, I don't want to take anyone out with that kind of verbiage yet. Um, But here's what I imagine. I imagine God literally, like, looking down at a little baby Becca, you know, and I've told this story in village meetings and retreats and stuff. So I just imagine him looking down and being like, Becca, you are just so cute. And like picking me up, you know, and you, if you have kids, you know exactly what I mean. You're looking at them and they're just like, you know, they're going to do something really dumb, you know, <laughs> it's like running over to get in the oven or something. And you're like, well, aren't you just the sweetest that you think you're going to go over and you're going to do this and your life's just going to blah, 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 whatever. And I just feel like that's what God does with me is like, Becca, you are just so cute. You, you just think that you're going to wake up today and you have your little calendar and you have all your little plans. And that is just so sweet that you think that everything's going to go according to what you have set out when that is just not the case. And this is a really hard, this is a skill. This is a muscle. You know, when people in the spiritual community say, well, just pray and surrender. And 
I mean, I would ask my mentors and teachers, but how, like, how do you surrender? And I think I'm just now starting to really surrender. Um, but it's really about imagining me being picked up and literally like moved, physically moved out of the way and letting God take over. Now, while I have this loose structure to my life and these ideas and these plans, I'll also equate it to um, <laughs> when, when my children's father and I split and there was a time where they were starting to spend time with him and spend time with me. You know, we, we share custody. There was this time that he said to me, their dad said to me, <laughs> do you call your house the rule-free zone? Because the kids say that they don't have any rules at your house. <laughs> and, and it's so profound to me. I'm just such a like deep person, you know, and, and I'm thinking, how beautiful is it that my kids can feel so free around me that they don't even feel like they have any rules. Wow. I mean, come on. Like, I'm an adult. I'm their mother. Of course there are rules. But it is an art form. And I felt so proud of myself as a mother to be able to establish an environment for my children where they felt so safe and so un untethered that they could safely express themselves and be themselves to the point that they felt like they had no rules. And that's what I feel like God wants for us, you know, is to be able to play within reason in this path of the straight and narrow, you know, it's a straight and narrow path, you know, but it's really not that difficult. So to your point to just be like, Hey, like, what are we, you know, what are we doing? And, th and that's really what drives me is knowing that, like, I've been given this limited amount of time because that's all that this life is. And I really do want to make a difference. I want to redeem as much of it as possible. And then also looking back at myself as an early, you know, as a young mother, as looking back even further, a teenager that struggled with some addiction and depression and anxiety without knowing what it was. I don't want a 16-year-old today to not feel safe talking about getting bullied or, you know, dealing with anxiety or parents separating or moving a lot. I don't want a new mother to be suicidal and afraid to talk about it. You know, I don't want a patient, you know, I'm, I'm really big into patient advocacy, which is probably for another day, but I don't want a patient being, you know, feeling like their rights are stripped from them while they're supposed to be getting care, you know, in a hospital or in a doctor's office. I don't want any of that. And instead of complaining, I'm just trying to, in my own little corner, carve out as much as I can to not make a difference on my own because I'm only one person. What's happening in the village is all of these people, like I mentioned earlier, are being brought up in, in who and what they're supposed to be so that we're all marching around like little soldiers, <laughs> just uniquely affecting the people that we're supposed to. And it's really beautiful. You know, so I just think like, it's not about me. That's what drives me. It's not about me, but I've been given an influence and a responsibility, whether I want to or not, because a lot of times, Rick, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want the messages in my inbox. I don't want the phone calls. I don't want to be putting out the fires, but I have to tell myself like, Becca, it's not about you. And I just see God coming over and being like, hey, Becca, by the way, <laughs> I'm just going to pick you up and move you over here so you can either go willingly <laughs> or resist it. And it's just a lot easier whenever I go willingly. <laughs> you know, you're, you're spitting some truth about 
parenting. I mean, everything, but about parenting. And I'm just yeah. here like, wow, you know, like I, I know that I definitely. Was such a compliment. I mean, I'm not, you know, wow. he, yeah, it and, and not not to, to try to make that sound negative or anything sure. like that, but it's just it's a way that I it's a it's a parable, you know, mm-hmm. it's a way to teach and kind of like an anecdote. But I was like, wow, that is such a compliment. <laughs> hey, I know I learned something today, that's for sure. So um, I loved it. Yeah. So so we are, um, you know, for this part of our conversation, yeah. I'm sure we'll continue on because you have a podcast yourself, right? I do. Yeah, she she whispers. <laughs> so, so I do. I do. You, do you want to do you want to talk just about that and, and, yeah. and plug it and um, you know good. who you might have as a guest coming up soon? You know. Oh yeah. So I think this guy Rick Fike. <laughs> that was the only way I could get her on this podcast <laughs> is if I would be on her podcast. So yeah, we're just having a podcast party. Yeah. So my podcast is the Credible Sources podcast and. Essentially, what I want to do is feature people who have, you know, a lot of these people have been to the village or, you know, retreats and things, and that's how I've gotten to know them. But um, essentially, a credible source, right? They're they're a credible source in their experience. What they've experienced is enough. They have something to teach, something to inspire. And, I mean, we're going to just, like, cover the, the, the whole spectrum. I mean, there's going to be something for for everyone for sure. But that's the biggest thing I've learned is like, you don't always have to go to books or, um, you know, people with credentials, you know, quote unquote, these human credentials and things to, to learn something that there's so much to learn just from people and taking time to get to know people. It's what I love about podcasts. So it's great. So it's called credible sources, credible sources, Spotify, Apple music, wherever Yeah, you can be found anywhere. So yeah, go, go find it, subscribe to it, listen to it. Um, at this point of our recording, if if somebody's looking at your list of episodes, you know, is there one that you say, man, do this one first? Or are they all just kind of? Um, they they are different right now. There's four. There's only four episodes live. Okay. And there's, um, there's one on parenting. There's one on the the body and just like body image and things like that, which I think is really cool. There's one on divorce. Um, and then there's an intro episode. So it's going to be a very dynamic, a very dynamic podcast for sure. But they're all really great with women who really inspire me. So it's great. That's great. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to, to being a part of that with you and, and, and joining for an episode soon. But I, I'm going to hit you with another question. Um, and I think we're going to we're going to wrap up after that. Okay. So um, dead or alive. Okay. Who is somebody that you would just love to sit down and have dinner with, a beer with, any kind of, you know, a, a glass of wine with, go shooting with, no. you know, whatever you <laughs> want. Shooting. So you can do whatever you want with whoever you want, dead or alive. I always like to ask this question, who, who would it be and this why? It's really interesting. I mean, are we talking just for fun, just for a fun kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any way to to have you have dinner with someone dead. <laughs> so, yeah, this is just completely hypothetical. I mean, there's <laughs> there's no like contingencies on the meeting. No, so I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated with a lot of people. Um, I would have to say maybe maybe Marilyn Monroe. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Do you want to you you want to know what happened with her? Um, like, well, uh, of course, yeah, right? Yeah. You know that that would be really great. But some she's always been an inspiration to me. I think for maybe reasons that that maybe like uh, across the board mainstream she isn't, but. I just always loved her ability to to just make things happen, right? You know, just right. to just to make things happen and and end up in the the in end up in places with people. And she went from literally nothing to a household name, and the struggle that had to have come with that, and then obviously the way that her life ended is just very controversial. But right, right. I yeah. think it would be cool to know Norma Jean. Like the real Marilyn, yeah, not Marilyn Monroe, the character, but right. yeah, but but her in her true essence. So interesting, cool. interesting. Yeah, that would yeah, that would definitely be interesting for sure. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you for thank being you. here. It's been a lot of fun. I feel like we just tipped the iceberg. Like I found out, yes. or we found out a lot about what you do. Yeah, and so maybe down the road we we find more about you know, Becca, the individual and, and, you know, sure. you kind of start to get into that a little bit on, on what motivates you and what drives you. But, um, yeah. yeah. So, um, good. anything, I mean, do you want to throw your, your social out there for anybody to, to, you know, follow any of your, your endeavors or, you know, if people want more information on the village, which we talked a good bit about anything you want to throw out there? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're interested in learning more about anything we discussed today and you go to ladybeck.com, you can find links and social media handles and all of that stuff, ways to contact me and very easy to reach. That's great. That's great. Well, Becca, again, thank you. I'm going to uh, play another one of your songs here as awesome. we go out. So we talked so much about Skillet earlier, so we got another, another one of their jams to play us out. Uh, standing in the storm so again thank you so much for being here thanks Rick. it was a lot of fun and uh look forward to next time again credible sources podcast ladybeck.com um check her out you know she has so much to offer so you know my friend appreciate you being here and uh yeah we'll talk to you soon for those of you listening out there appreciate you being here with us and Look for the Rick Fike show uh, coming back real soon. All right. Awesome. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Well, everybody, that wraps up another episode of the Credible Sources podcast. Thank you so much again for tuning into this episode. I really appreciate you being here. If you found yourself thinking about somebody during this episode who you feel could benefit from the information that we talked about, please be sure to share this and pass it along with them. If you're interested in learning more about today's credible source, be sure to check out the show notes. And I look forward to seeing you again here on the Credible Sources Podcast.